Welcome to the Primal Foundations Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Pascola. We will dive into what I believe are the four central foundations you need for a healthy lifestyle. Strength, nutrition, movement, and recovery. Get ready to unlock your path to optimal health and enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining us today on the Primal Foundations podcast. Our guest today is Jake Thomas, a former Marine and transformative health coach. With a remarkable record of a six-time natural physique champion, a seasoned marathon finisher, and dedicated carnivore for nearly four years, Jake brings us wealth and experience to this podcast. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And thank you for coming on and sharing your story and talking about your story and your journey. I think it's really fascinating. You've explored different various nutrition paths and also career shifts that led you to being a coach. Can you share with our listeners a bit about your your backstory and what got you to this point today? Yeah, um, <clears throat> great questions. <laughs> uh, lots of uh, trial and error, that's for sure. You know, I did not just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm just going to eat meat or, you know, not eat vegetables anymore or not eat anything else other than an animal anymore. No. Um, throughout my life, whether it was through the military or through playing sports, fitness and athletics and exercise had always been kind of an integral part of who I was because it was either playing sports, needing to stay in shape, being in the military, keeping in shape, not just because that was a thing to do, because it you know, kind of determine survivability, viability, how you were able to perform and stuff like that. And it became more than just a, a hobby or habit. It came like, hey, this is more than just me. This might be somebody else who might depend on it kind of thing. And then as I progressed in life, I started to really see the parallels of working out, taking care of myself and how that correlated to my mindset, my mentality, my my psyche, my mental health overall. Again, a lot of trial and error. You know, I had a lot of ups and downs with substance abuse and alcohol and women and gambling and spending and anything else I could kind of get my hands on to consume. But as long as I kept pillaring around my health and then later my nutrition, I started to see like, man, this this really does matter. And it sounds kind of obvious, but it wasn't so obvious to me. And the dietary kind of experimenting came by way of of girls that I dated. You know, I was dating a, a girl who was kind of on the fence of pescatarian, vegetarian at one point. And, and she was, you know, big on almond milk and uh, I'd never had almond milk before. And the first time I saw it in the fridge, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll drink it, you know, and didn't really question it. It kept the house civil. I didn't mind too much. And then I dated a girl that was a vegetarian full on. Then I dated a girl that was a full on pescatarian. Then I dated another girl who decided to be a vegan while we were dating. So each one of those kind of presented an opportunity for me to try as opposed to, you know, griping or complaining about the situation or not uh, going along with it. And I took it as an opportunity to learn, to grow, to be uncomfortable for sure, and kind of find what might work for me, what doesn't work for me. And then before I knew it, I'd actually built up a whole repertoire of experience. And I realized that once I started coaching people in nutrition, um, when I was personal training in New York and being able to empathize with someone that was a vegetarian or someone that was a vegan, someone that had been, you know, standard American diet or a bro diet or then competing in bodybuilding with whether it was standard American bro diet, if it's your macros, vegan and into carnivore, that uh, I saw all those as opportunities to learn, to grow and what kind of brought me to where I am now. <laughs> 
Yeah, you talk about, I mean, doing something for a girl is the the tale is all this time, right? We're gonna try to again keep the peace and do something um for the significant other. What are some of the physical either ailments or challenges that start to happen as you're on? Um, I think you said you were uh vegetarian, then vegan. Yes. Uh started as a plant-based eater, and um that's a much more, I would say, broad scope of allowances, right? Um, and I had to even learn that because there was things that I was buying thinking they were vegan, but they were actually just plant-based. And there's a big, big difference. And there's a lot of growth uh, learning curve with that because I would buy stuff and be like, darn it. I thought this was a vegan burger, but it ended up being a plant-based burger. So I would like push my start date back, you know, because I'm like, well, I'm going to still eat this or whatever. I really didn't feel too many adverse effects as far as in when I went from being a standard American diet or a bro diet or with, you know, high carbs, low fat and high protein into the vegan world or into the plant-based world, because I really just kind of kept the same kind of understanding of nutrition or the prioritization of nutrition and what I was looking for, what I would source for my food, where I was getting the proteins. Now I've for sure my supplement intake increased dramatically because oh, thumbs up because uh, those protein sources don't exist naturally in either of those worlds, be it plant-based or vegan, in the ratios that I wanted them. You know, like a 100% protein source without carbohydrates, without fat, is rare and very difficult to find in a plant-based world or in a vegan world. And, you know, someone could say, well, you could just eat a lot of spinach. It's like, we're talking dump trucks of spinach. Number one, just for the volume. Then on top of that, what kind of oxalative, oxidative stress, you know, oxi or rather oxalate related oxidative stress are we talking about from over from consuming all of that spinach? I don't even want to think about it. So I had to take supplements, you know, usually through some type of a pea or a rice protein that had been pounded, pounded, pounded out. But to be able to create the the macronutrient ratios that I was looking for, which I didn't mind. A lot of it was flavorful. So there was a lot of palatable foods in both of those worlds that can make it quite enjoyable. I didn't really realize it at the time though, that so much of that is still highly processed because it has to be. Because these things, again, do not exist naturally in the world. They have to be made in the ratios that I was looking for them in. So be it a plant-based dieter or a vegan, I respect both um, sides of that very much still to this day, especially, or rather, if they are raw plant-based dieters, if they are raw vegans, because it's when people come to me with their better than thou or holier than thou stigma of being either a plant-based dieter or a vegan. If you're not a raw plant-based dieter or a raw vegan, you're, you're consuming a ton of processed food because you have to, or rather you don't have to, but rather that's what it's going to be available. All the things that come in wrappers and boxes and packages and plastics and paper and, and containers, they have to be made chemically within a warehouse, how many steps does that go through before it gets to you kind of thing? How many other ingredients are in there? How many steps has it taken to be created? Blah, 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 blah. So I started seeing that back then, but it wasn't so forward in my mind as it most definitely is now. Yeah. You look on the back of some of those, uh, the, you know, the vegan cheeses, Dahlia, Dahlia, whatever it's called, or even the vegan butters. And it's just like a laundry list of ingredients. I mean, I can't even pronounce half of the stuff. 
And it's like, wow, like this is, this is getting kind of crazy. If, and I always tell clients and people, if you got to read through the ingredients list, it's probably not that good for you. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't pronounce most of them, like you said, you don't know what half of them mean. And if there's more than five and it's cheese, like what's, what are we doing here? You know? So there's a lot again, that I do respect in both communities, but the depths that people are going to, to do what they think to be healthy is where I definitely start to disagree and differentiate. Uh, for example, years ago, I was cooking with friends in New York at a, at a rooftop barbecue and I was on the grill flipping burgers. And one of my girlfriends came and brought, um, cheese she's like hey can you throw the cheese in the burgers like yeah sure so put the cheese on top of the burgers and i came back to check after my you know internal clock told me burgers should be ready by now and i opened the grill up and the cheese wasn't melted and i was like that's weird these burgers are gonna be like charred by now i was like let me give it a little bit more so i closed the grill again i came back and i was like i can smell the burgers burning i was like this isn't good like i'm gonna get yelled at because the food's not gonna be the way i'd want it to be and i opened it back up and again they're not melted. And I was like, Caroline, what kind of cheese did you get? What is this? Is this magic cheese? She goes, oh, no, it's vegan cheese. And I was like, on burgers? On beef burgers? Why? <laughs> you know? And she's like, I don't know. I just wanted to try it. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. But like, yeah, whatever, fine. But damn it. The burgers <laughs> are burned now, you know? And so that was like a real aha moment for me of like, Jesus, the cheese didn't even melt. What what does that mean in my stomach? That's one. A couple of years later, I did an experiment because I'd seen a video about it somewhere or, or between two types of foods, natural and otherwise made. So I put a piece of real cheese on the sidewalk and uh, near an ant pile and a piece of vegan cheese uh, right next to it. Came back the next day, the real cheese, or rather not even the next day, within a few hours, the real cheese was covered with the ants and they're taken away. The vegan cheese, they didn't even touch it. Wow. Like, like did not touch it. Dude, probably like, that's not even food. It's not food. Yeah. They didn't know. <laughs> exactly. Like they were like, no, they just like, you know, when you see ants go to something and they, they break hard 90 degrees. No, they're like, nope, <laughs> nope. I was like, wow, that, that's right there. It's pretty obvious. And you mentioned, and I, I know what you mean by this, the, the bro diet. What to you, what is a bro diet? And the reason I, I really want to hit this home too is because I see people, uh, men and females, right? They'll do mm -hmm. that quote unquote bro diet because that's what the um, perception of like, oh, bodybuilders, healthy, I'm going to do yeah. this. So, what yeah. do, when people say bro diet, what do they mean? Okay. So, bro diet to me is uh, chicken breast, white rice, broccoli. 95% lean ground beef or, or higher, 97, I guess. Egg whites, skim milk, 90, uh, 0% fat free Greek yogurt, oats, rice cakes. What else is in there? Canned tuna, mm, tilapia and or cod and or halibut for the fish. Um, that's yeah, asparagus. That's probably it. It's pretty pretty much something around that, you know. And and no, barely any if all fat. Just correct. Nothing. Correct. <laughs> Occasionally, maybe like a smear of nut butter, right, on something. There's probably a nut butter, and I should have said. And in this case, for the bro diet, I'm going to say peanut butter because that's what most of them are going to use. 
Yeah. On, on top of a rice cake or something. And exactly. Be their dessert. Exactly. Uh, and clients, or even if yourself, if you've been on that, what happens to them in terms of whether they're, they're the physical state, mental state, when they start to bring that fat down so much? Yeah. So I can speak for, for both, um, having done it myself for years. Um, God, yeah, you really drive your your adrenal glands adrenal glands in the dirt. You're driving your secretion of hormones uh, in the dirt because your fat content throughout your body is so low. Um, your cholesterol is down on the charts, which you're like, hey, that's really good. But it's like, but no, you're you're operating below normal levels of what would be good for cholesterol. Like our brains are, I think eighty made of eighty percent cholesterol, something like that. So you're talking about not just brain fuel and, and clarity of mind, but if your cerebral is like running off of that, like maybe it's important to have some of that in your body too. Um, but just kind of walking around like a zombie, you know, crashing throughout the day, all over the place, sitting in traffic when I was driving um, in places, not New York, but other places and just being like, and having to catch myself because I'm like, God, I'm just, you know, going through this, this peak and valley of ups and downs with crashes. I didn't know it at the time, but it was all about, you know, bouncing through glycemic indices and me spiking glucose and crashing hard on it and then trying to use caffeine to offset that. But really, it was all about riding these waves of huge amounts of carbohydrates and then having these massive valleys follow them because of the inadequacy of fat in my diet. Clients, the same thing. Many of my clients that I have now are more so from that school and now into this new kind of education that we're talking about today. And as soon as they get into it, they're like, oh my God, it's like this liberating sense of happiness. And I felt the same thing when I first did this almost four years ago, that first 30 days, first two weeks really was just like, my body was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I was eating so much fat and it was weird for me to do that. You know, like the diet was, the carnivore diet was proposed to me by one of my best friends in the world, a guy I served with in the Marine Corps, one of my business partners, Donnie, I love you. And he was like, hey, man, have you ever heard of this carnivore diet thing? You should check it out. And I had just finished my last competition in natural bodybuilding. It was the World Natural Bodybuilding uh, World Championships. And I did really well. I podiumed and, and you know, got uh, third overall in physique. So I was pretty heady on my like knowledge and experience. And so when someone like Donnie, who at the time was not in the best shape, not in the best state of mental health, is telling me I should try this, I was like, Dude, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, pretty sure I'm the one with the medal around my neck and the trophy saying world champion on it, you know? So I had to ego check a lot of that because he was like, no, dude, like, this is your world. Like, I'm telling you, check this out, read this, watch this, just see what you think. And I was like, all right, I'll look into it. And I'm thinking like, yeah, right, whatever. But I did. I watched, I listened, I read because that's that's who I am always. You know, I'll always be curious. I'll always be intrigued and I'll, for the most part, try anything twice. And so I was like, all right, I'll give this a shot. 30 days, cold bore. And that first, like I said, man, like few days, maybe it might've even been a couple of weeks, Tony, like where I was just like, my body was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because of all the fat that was coming into it. And then all these lights start flipping on about like, yeah, I was super ripped eating that way. Yeah, that worked performance-wise eating that way. Yeah, this worked too, da, da, da. but I was like, all I'm eating right now, at least at that first 30 days, I was like I was literally eating like steak and eggs, feeling great, 
performing great, doing all this stuff. And I'm thinking back to when I was a vegan or a plant-based dieter or a bro dieter, that laundry list of groceries that I had to put together and fabricate, all of which many of those things didn't exist like a hundred years ago, even rice cakes. No, certain types of nut butters and what? No, like refined oats. No, all these things, yogurts and the, nope, nope, no, no, no. Yogurt's old, but not the way that we eat it. So all these things that I've been consuming and cre- to create this physique and athletic performance, none of it was really natural. I mean, it, they were, I'm not saying they were not unnatural as far as in the uh, enhanced uh, terminology, but like steak and eggs, that's about as natural as it gets. It's a slab of beef and a couple of, you know, eggs from the hen. So that was a big red flag to me of like, ooh, something doesn't make sense here. Even though my feelings are saying one thing, my emotional side of knowledge and experience, but then my body was telling me a whole nother thing. And I was like, oh boy, we're going to, we got to. A battle yeah, start here. It's so interesting that when just hearing you talk about it, because like my grandfather, always God bless his soul, former Marine as well. He's like, yeah, I'm steak and eggs for breakfast every day. And the guy was pretty good in shape most of his life, played golf until the date he died and never got a cart, walked, you know, all nine or 18 holes. But when you tell people, I mean, steak and eggs every day, they look at you like, oh, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's the narrative you get. And that's where your mind starts to play tricks on you. Oh, yeah. And um, most of the people telling you that, too, don't look like you do. They don't look like I do. You know, it's like somebody telling you, like, hey, you shouldn't eat steak and eggs. I'm like, hey, man, maybe you should look in the mirror. (laughs) You know, because I'm like... Uh, I don't know what you're doing, but what I'm doing, I think is working for me better than what you're doing is working for you. And I have that happen at the the VA a lot. God bless them. I'm so grateful to the VA for the system, but you know, I go in there and they're like, wow, your labs are incredible. Your blood pressure is incredible. All your vitals, you look great. You're super healthy. One of the healthiest patients we've, we've ever encountered here in the system. The VA is a big patient system. So when I hear that, I'm like, nice, like, all right, that's good. The methodology is working. But then they're like, so what are you eating? And I tell them, and they're like, whoa, we got to stop that right now. And I'm like, hold on. You literally just told me I might be one of the healthiest patients you've ever seen slash one of the healthiest patients patients in the VA system. Maybe we should ask more questions first before telling me to change something. Maybe there's something, and that's not me being vain, but like if it was me and I had that, I'd be like, oh my God, like we got to study this guy. Like everything that I thought I knew about medicine and like, like this doesn't add up. Like I got to get this guy back in because that's literally how I was when the idea of eating this way was proposed to me, right? All the knowledge that I had, all the credentials, the competitions, the trophies, whatever experience. And I was still like, man, this stuff makes a lot of sense. I got to at least read into it more. I got to at least listen a little bit. I got to at least watch a little bit. I didn't say no. I mean, I did say no, fuck you. But like, you know, I kind of jokingly said it. I wasn't completely dismissive and against it. Whereas here, they're like, hey, you got to stop that immediately. We need to put you on this. And we need to do that. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm, you know, kind of keep it quiet. You got got your best running back in the game. He's scoring five touchdowns and then you pull him. It's like, why? It's working. It's working. Exactly. 
I had a similar incident where I went to just get my physical checkup, blood work, whatever. And it was like a new doctor. I used to have like a really awesome doctor and and a couple of the questions she would ask me before we even get anything, like, how are you doing? Like, Mm. how's life going? You know, things like that. You know, how is everything? And then uh, they had left or got transferred or something. So I just had some random doctor, fairly young, new. And get my blood work back and she starts talking to me about it. She goes, oh, your cholesterol is kind of high. I want to put you on statins. Well, at the time I was training for Ironman Arizona and I was in the probably top shape ever that I've been cardiovascular, muscular. I was, you know, and I was lean. I wasn't super lean, but I was kind of lean. And she's like, yeah, your cholesterol is real high. I I, I recommend putting you on statins. I'm like, ma'am, I, I, I appreciate that, but I'm not going to take statins. Uh, that's the num- That's just a number on there based off of like the general population, right? I'm not, sure. that's, they move that field goal back and forth. And it's just yeah. so happily, I'm a little bit ahead. Right. He's like, okay. And then she just starts reading off a list of things and questions that you can tell from the computer. And I'm like, oh man, I'm just losing faith in the healthcare system because she's just reading the questions, checking off boxes. All right, see you later. And that was the end of the conversation. That was it. But I was like, why are you prescribing? I'm I'm 34, 33 years old and in the best shape of my life. And you want me on stands because my cholesterol is higher than what you think it should be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, it's awesome. Um, how was the race for you in the Ironman? The so Arizona was great because the I thought the weather was awesome. The swim I'm in, based in Chicago, so when you swim in Lake Michigan out here, it's cold. Everybody's complaining about the water, but <laughs> it 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 was cold, but it was fine. I I actually enjoyed the swim. Swim was almost like to T as I planned it. Nice. The bike was a different story. Yeah. <laughs> So um, in Arizona and Tempe, like it's three loops and it's not like other races where it's, um, you know, you get like, you go up the hill, you come down, up and down. It was a gradual incline. And when I read that in the, you know, packet, I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. great. I'm not the best biker. It's my worst, worst event. And we had 23 mile an hour headwinds coming at us. So Mm -hmm. I looked down and my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, I've got to be going. 15, 16, I'm looking down. I'm like nine, going nine miles an hour on my bike, (laughs) full clip, full clip, just going. And I'm like, I'm not going to finish. That was the closest I've ever been to quitting. I get up to the top of the loop because it's just the half the loop is straight up. And then on the way down, I'm going 32 miles an hour because we've got the downhill plus the back, you know, the winds at my back now and my bike shaking, my grips are, I'm, I'm ripping the grips because I'm squeezing so hard. I I go, shit, I got to do this two more times. (laughs) I go, I don't think I'm going to make it. So I finally make it the second time around, barely get up there. I'm like, I'm either going to get cut off the time cut off or I'm going to quit. So I I said, okay, if I make it to the top of this hill one more time, I'm going to be an Ironman. And I get up to the top of the hill. I just unclip and I just sit there. And the person goes like, they have like somebody at the turn. Mm -hmm. They go, you okay? You all right? I go, yep. I'm going to be an Ironman. And I just clip back in and I go. <laughs> and then the run was good. Good. I did okay. I forgot. It's just over four hours for the marathon portion. Nice. But the, I spent a, an extra hour on the bike that I didn't want to. But segueing into that, your diet now and performance. How has oh, that man. been a changer for you? Because I know you've done marathons, um, uh, triathlons. How has yeah. being on carnivore helped your athletic performance? 
Oh man, it's it's that's it's awesome. Congratulations, first off, to you. Thank you. That's that's the way to gut it out, man. Um, <laughs> like I, I'm envisioning you unclipping because it's just like you're like, I just need a minute before I take this last downhill, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's yep. scary. You're picking up close to 40 miles an hour on a bike that's shaking. Like, yeah, you got to be sure you want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the marathon in Philly was was one of the first big milestones, I would say, because I ran a uh, a, uh, a half in New Orleans on uh, Halloween just a few weeks before. And I trained like a couple of weeks for it. I didn't really have to prepare too, too much. I was already in pretty good shape, but I was like, I want to try to run this under 90. Let me see, you know, what it'll be like and, and how I feel. And I ran it. I didn't run it under 90, but I did run it under 100. And was really pleased with that because um, I finished the race and like I was like, okay, that was that was fun. Like I wasn't like bent over and dying, you know. Did you did you do it fasted or were you taking yeah, things fasted through? and and dry? I did it dry fasted too. Oh wow! So and I, that was not even planned. Um, just woke up, you know, that day, drank my normal electrolyte uh, electrolyte mix in the morning that I make. Got to the race, still drinking, hadn't eaten anything. And then once uh, it started, it just started running. And as each mile point came by and the cups were out, I was like, I'm good. I don't need any. I'm good. I'm good. And before I knew it, it was like four or five, six, you know, I was at like 10 miles. And I was like, damn, I haven't drank any water. And I'm still, you know, sub seven. I was like, okay, we're just, just keep on rolling. And when I finished, I was like, wow, I feel great right now. <laughs> I was like, I could do that again. I could have kept going. I could do this double the distance. That was my logic. I was like, I should run a marathon right now. So a lot of endorphins, a lot of oxytocin, a lot of adrenaline and dopamine kicking right there. So I was like, I should run a marathon now. And so that was when I decided to do it was right after I finished this one. And um, I I actually had a, this was in the morning of Halloween. Took my mother to the Saints game that afternoon and went out to dinner and, uh, met up with my brother and his wife for, for dinner, uh, second dinner later after that. So like I had a full day. It's not like I was like, I ran this thing in under a hundred minutes and I was just shot and wrecked. Like people can be right. I finished this thing under a hundred was in really good spirits. I was like, all right, I'm going for a marathon. Then I took my mother, like I said, went to the game, did all that for three and a half hours, took her out to dinner and then went and met my brother and his wife for, for a full, another thing. And then I was still doing a recovery run the next morning. So that alone should be some kind of a, hey, there might be some method to this madness, right? So November 1st, the next day, I start putting together my race plan because I'm thinking, okay, where's the closest marathon, next marathon for me to hit? And I look it up and it's uh, Philadelphia and it was November 21st, which gave me 21 days to prep. So I never run a marathon before. The fastest, the furthest I ever ran was probably like 16 or 17 miles at the at this time. So I was like, okay, we got three weeks to to you know, put something together. So I planned it out as best I could. And that was uh, my training was like, okay, take what we know from the half and just kind of put three weeks on top of that and hope for the best. Because after mile 16, 17, it's all going to be uncharted territory for me, which in my mind, I'm like, all right, just mile at a time, break it down, compartmentalize however we need to half mile, quarter mile, hundred meters, whatever you need to do, just get through it. So I kept my nutrition the same. I did all the workouts fasted still and not because I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do it faster, but just that's how I felt. I felt good doing that. It felt normal to me. I didn't like having food in my stomach. 
like my immediate stomach. I knew eating the night before I would still have plenty of food to be nourishing and satiating my body throughout the next day. It's not like I need it right then. And that's something that I've learned over these years through fasting, through eating this carnivore diet also about not needing that satiety within the belly to feel comfortable, to feel confident, to feel able, right? Thinking like, okay, I need to smash a bag of Skittles before the run, or I need to eat a bunch of honey, or I need to eat those rice cakes, or I need a piece of fruit. No. Yeah. The the number one reason why people drop out of endurance races is because of GI issues. It's, be, it's, it. it's not in, it's not because they can't physically like they've trained, they've done all the, these things, but then they overconsume the gels, the, the, the shock blocks and all those things. And they're putting downing got so many calories because that's what they think they need. Mm. And then their stomach starts to just really turn on them. And then they drop out of the race. I did not know that, but I totally believe it. It makes sense. Um, yeah, no issues on the half marathon needing to pee or otherwise. And when it came to the marathon, I was like, all right, get down the to get down to Philly night before I'll hit up a Brazilian steakhouse, you know, fuel up. And I cut off my food around like, I think it was 1830 local time race was probably 12 hours later. Exactly. And in my mind, I was like, all right, let's try and do this dry too. Let's see how it goes. I was like, it'll probably start to get pretty hard given um the extended distance but i was like why not let's try it so 315 was the goal time but i was like just make it under 330 and everybody's like dude it's pretty bold it's your first one like you've never you know just try to finish and i'm like okay well i'm not here to just finish i'm here to like set a number and keep to it and um people are like yeah but it's not a marathon it's a sprint i was like well if you're trying to run a fast marathon it's damn near a sprint so <laughs> I think that's a shitty uh, phrase because you look at the world record marathon by Chobi, um, you know, he's 453 mile for 26.2 miles. I think somebody he's, just today actually like, broke the record in his? Chicago. I, oh. I, I think so. Oh, that I think was today. I, that was today. I think Chicago was today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so right. I, I've like, I walk out of my house, there's like a thousand people outside right now. It's, it's wild over here. It's a friend a cool, of mine's running, cool running it right now. Yeah, but I I just saw it. Yeah, I just saw it happen today. I was like, oh man, like it was like two something, like oh. whatever. It was disgusting. I was like, I can't yeah. believe yeah. that they can hold that. But yeah, keep keep going, keep going. Yeah, man. It's, uh, so it's amazing, you know, thinking about that. So I uh, was like, okay, eat up. This is what we do. Blah 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 blah. And so it was great. The first half was awesome. Was under a hundred again. I think I was. I think I might have been under ninety. I think I might have been at actually sub three pace for the first half. And I was like, this, we're we're cooking. Nice. And um, kept it for 13, 14, 15. And then around like 16, 17, I started to feel the pain. Still hadn't drank water. And um, it was starting to get challenging for sure. I started to slow down. And then there was like either 18 or 19 where I was just like, like I really slowed down. I say really slowed down. I slowed down probably like eight minute miles. But it's enough to where I was like, damn, I'm not going to get there. You know, so I had to like gut through those last six or eight, <laughs> whatever. Um, knowing like I could be probably doing better if I drank water, but I was like, I'm already this far, like, fuck it. Let's just see what happens. You know, like, it'll be cool to say, it'll be cool to see, you know? And so I did. And so I stayed that way. I essentially suffered in the time, but like got through it just for the sake of doing so. 
And, you know, was, I think the final time was like 325 or something like that. So I was like really pleased. Just good. That's a good yeah, marathon thanks. time. Yeah. Thanks, congrats, man. I was, I was, I was stoked. And uh, it's still the only one I've ever ran. And um, that immediately made me go, well, if I actually put together a training plan of 12 to 16 or, you know, 20 weeks while I'm drinking water on the course, like, what could I do then? You know, like sub three shouldn't be that crazy for me to hit if I'd be able to do what I, you know, doing it that way. Anyway, could that have worked if I was eating another way? I don't know. Could I have prepared if I was eating another way? I, I don't know. But I know what I was doing that yielded the result that I got, you know, and to not feel so wrecked again after the race. I was like, man, I feel good. Like took a hot bath and, you know, we got on the train, went back to New York. I was back on the road the next day to recover. So that was a big one. You know, that was a big one to me of like, I don't know, there might be something to this. There really might be something to this. Fast forward just a few weeks ago, I'm here in Kerrville in Texas in the hill country. And I see a sign downtown. We have, you know, just Main Street, Water Street, Broadway, a couple of streets. And uh, road will be closed this weekend for Kerrville Triathlon. I was like, oh, cool. There's a triathlon here. Damn, I should check it out. So this is on a Monday that I see the sign, the triathlon is that Saturday. And I'm like, let me see where, you know, I bet it's around where I swim anyway. I bet it's where I run anyway. I bet it's where I bike. Any Sure enough, the swim is literally out my window, which I'm pointing to now, the river that I was swimming in this morning and that I swim in all the time. The bike is right outside my condo window also. And the run is right where I usually train and run anyway. So I was like, man, I should just do this for kicks. Like, why not? Like it, just get in a Saturday training session. I don't have to do the full half. You know, I can just do the sprint. I've never actually run a triathlon, a USA try, like actually uh, affiliated and whatnot. Try. I never actually run one. I'd ran them on my own casually. Like I'd done swim bike runs, you know, just for fun, like at home and messing around during the day, but I never actually competed in one. I was like, let me try it. Now I don't have bike shoes. I have a single gear bicycle without clip pedals and i usually ride that in flip-flops so i was like okay um i'll just do that for this too and people, my, my mother was like yeah just go have fun i was like yeah it will be fun so i showed up to the race hadn't swam in a month uh for sure the race the the triathlon was on the 23rd of september last time i swam was august 19th in new york for the seal swim the NYC SEAL swim, it's like a three-mile swim in the Hudson, also did that faster and dry and dry fasted. But show up to the race to do this and ended up doing what I think was pretty good. Uh, finished in like just under an hour and a half total, like 126. Um, kept 20 miles per hour on the bike for all 15 miles and ran like 725 for the 5K. And that's in flip-flops on a single gear. So like there are guys out there and you know full aero bikes with bars and and multi gears four thousand dollar five thousand oh, dollar yeah. bikes oh yeah and I was like zipping by some of them <laughs> and this one guy comes up to me at the end of the race he's like dude you like totally demoralized me on the bike I was like why I was like I was smiling I was like why and he goes because you came flying by wearing fucking flip flops on a single gear and I was like oh yeah that and uh, guys on the run saw me passing we were passing each other on like the halfway point and one of the guys in this group was like dude this is the guy that was wearing the flip-flops on the single gear and i was like all right i guess the word's out but same thing man like five days notice and to just jump in there you know not prepared not equipped and yield that result immediately made me go okay i gotta try this like full-on bananas now 
and that made me that I got the bug bad. So I'll be competing in um another sprint at the end of October and then my first half iron um first week of November. And I was nice. that's why I was swimming this morning. Yeah. My first like wetsuit swim this morning. I hadn't, you know, swam in a wetsuit and since I've surfed in like 15 years. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. We get to wear wetsuits in this too. I was like, shit, this is gonna be awesome. You know, where's like the where's the half gonna be? Um, outside of Houston, somewhere. Um, Conroe. I think it's Lake Conroe, Texas. Cool. Yeah, it's like the and Texas you guys are gonna wear wetsuits for that one? It, it'll be cold enough, yeah. 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 Oh man. Yeah. I, I forget what USA Try has the uh the temperature set for, but it's something pretty moderate as far as in like the allow the tolerance for it. Like as soon as it gets below, I want to say like 72 degrees is when they allow it. And I was like, oh, oh wow. Awesome. It's a yeah. it's a really um good number, I should say. Yeah. I did uh, one of the halves we trained for was Des Moines, Iowa or something, and it was freaking hot and our coach uh, me and my buddy had the same coach and i did des moines fasted too i nice. just had electrolyte water that was it nice. um and element and stuff there you go but i learned the hard way of so if it gets too hot it's um the optional whatever you can mm. or you can't wear it but if you wear it and it's too hot you have to go to the back of the pack so we're like, our coach is like, wear the wetsuits. I'm like, it's only a half. Like, I mean, we should be fine without it. He's like, no, no, wear the wetsuits. You're going to you're gonna save so much energy. You're going to be so buoyant, blah, 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 this, that, yeah. and the other. Well, the yeah. race got postponed to later in the day because of the, the weather was like storming or whatever. It was crazy. So we're sitting there. Like, I even had it half on, and we're just in line waiting. And since we're at the back of the pack, like, I didn't realize how much I was sweating. Mm. And I was half on and I was yep. just like, Jesus Christ, I'm sweating my ass off here. And yep. then I, I ran into some electrolyte problems later in the race. Cause I wasn't oh. getting enough. So thank God I had LMNT on me and then yep. on my bike or else like I was getting heat cramps in my, th- in my quads bad towards like uh. the end of the race. But yeah, don't put your, if it's hot out and you're going to use your wetsuit, don't put it on until like right before, even though it Literally. sucks to do it right before, but yeah, I was yeah. sweating so much and it took Noted. a lot of, yeah, a lot of water. Definitely out of noted. Uh, it, strength training. Any, I mean, you're, you're freaking huge, man. You're shredded. And uh, <laughs> so your strength training, uh, I, I'm assuming obviously it's, it's, has been different from when you were competing uh, mm. in physique and bodybuilding, things like that. So how is your training now? And how has the diet helped that? Mm, good question. Yesterday, I did a, I had a mile swim, a 45 minute recovery run after that. And then I went and did, um, 21, 15, nine and three of, uh, hang power cleans and burpee ladder. So did all that fasted, <laughs> um, but with no issues, no drops in energy, no lulls. Um, my numbers are great, man. I feel great. My strength has gotten through the roof. You know, I've really been able to focus on what I've been doing. Like if I'm going through heavy strength sessions mixed in with some Metcon kind of work, mixed in with some gymnastics work, or gymnastics work or CrossFit, it's almost like whatever I want to do, my body's able to do it. Whatever I want to command myself into, be it, you know, heavy strength days, like if I'm getting into a Mike Menser kind of heavy duty college uh, program, which I did for a few weeks, which is awesome, or just, you know, only a f- handful of exercises of one to two, one, maybe two sets, six, 
no more than eight reps, but all of them to absolute failure. And, you know, you think about like, God, I only did, you know, 20 sets today, but just absolute max out total muscular failure. And I was gaining uh, strength or rather my numbers were increasing in lifts like by like 15 to 20% per week at one point. Wow. I was like, There's no way this is going to keep going. Yeah. So like I was started on, on the first day was, um, was like his legs and chest, which is just like, God, you know, you're doing heavy, heavy chest, legs and triceps in a single day. Oof, like you feel that, you know, but I went from doing 275, six to eight times on back squat up to like 345, six to eight times within, you know, four weeks. Huge like, jump, huge jump, huge jump. Yeah. You know, like, and I was like, damn. So like, I'm took a week off to kind of deload and I did a bunch of Metcon work, a bunch of bar work, Ollie lifts, but light stuff, just kind of speed stuff real for like fast twitch muscle fiber. Want to get my gymnastics back. Want to just, you know, wrist mopes and stuff like that. So I go, I'm going back tomorrow, uh, into the heavy strength. So I'm really looking forward to that. Cause I'm like, okay, let's see how my body's going to be from being recovered. I don't expect my numbers to be exactly there, but I know there'll be more than 275, you know? So yeah. if I'm somewhere in the middle, even I'll be like, okay, this is the new base. You know, by that logic, uh, 405 shouldn't for six shouldn't be that far away. So I, I don't know, man, to me, it's just like that to be able to get so much as far as in nutrients and sustenance from so little, meaning so few sources while having such minimal duress on my body, minimal stress on my body, like that is optimal nutrition. That is optimized nutrition. And it's just like, and I say this a lot, infants with breast milk, right? Breast milk is a miracle of mammalian evolution because it gives our babies everything they need from a single source of sustenance that's very readily digested. It's all going to be utilized. There's minimal discard because they're absorbing all of it and the bioavailability is 100%. But the most important part of all that is that it stresses their bodies the least. Why is that important? Because anything worse could fucking kill them. Because they're fragile. Why are we any different? Of course, we're different, but like, why? What if we put that same consciousness towards ourselves about variables and contaminants and adulterants and dilutants and impurities in the sense of like, well, what happens if we stress our body as least as possible with what we consume? What happens if we have something that's got bioavailability of 100 absolute percent that is completely utilized and has minimal discard? And that's definitely going to be from red meat, 100%. Nothing else is pound for pound, gram for gram, meeting that macro or micronutrient profile. And I also saw that again, thinking back to being a vegan, using the bathroom, you know, four or five times a day and being like, ah, it's because I'm a really healthy athlete. My metabolism is really fast and high. No, dude, that's your body discarding all of that and saying, we don't need any of this. We we get it, Jake. It tastes good. It's colorful. You think it's pretty and that you're saving the environment and the animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But we don't need like 90% of this stuff. So you're going to take five shits a day and they're all going to be massive because we're just trying to extract these few nutrients because the majority of this stuff, the bioavailability is crap. So though you think you're consuming all these nutrients and micronutrients, we're wasting a lot. And that's why we're going to defecate a lot. Whereas now it's like, dude, you're just absorbing all of it. So thinking about having a body that heals faster because it's under less duress, ding, 
having a body that's going to be poor, that's going to perform better because it's consuming food that's more optimal in the sense that its bioavailability is 100%. Ding. How does that not equate to being a technically more proficient performer or athlete? And so I keep leaning into that. I keep experimenting more and more and more. And that's what's really got me pushed to get on the tri circuit, which I'm like stoked about doing and seeing, you know, what next milestones happen. Yeah. Just the simplicity that you're talking about. I am going to eat a few things and even the, because Mincer, the whole, his whole um, rationale behind lifting is like recovery, right? It's the whole yep. basis. And I think I follow a lot of, I'm a strong first instructor and I have um, a lot of strong first instructors on the podcast. And the one thing we talk about is just get really good at basics. Keep it simple. Don't go too hard too often. It's okay to push, right? I'm all yep. for doing hard shit. I'm all for that. But the fact that you're able to increase the weights from, you know, 20% jumps are huge and you're giving yourself this ample rest in between and you're not trying to just hang and bang in the gym. That's why we don't see results. The body needs to recover. And that's fast. That's, it's, it's fascinating to me that now yourself and even me, like I work out less than I ever, I eat less and yet Mm -hmm. I see the best results. Yep. Yep. And, and that's, I'm glad you know about Mensur. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) it's good, good company, but yeah, man, like, you know, for years it was like, okay, do more, eat more, 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 more action, more consumption, you know, that should yield more results. And in, and in many cases that's true still, but, but what's the cost of that? You know, what's the cost on your time, which you can't get back. What's the cost on your just other types of health within your body, you know, your own, your own mental health, like you driving yourself mad overtraining even though i still say there's no such thing as overtraining there's only under recovery but what is it costing as opposed to now you know i go i have um monday wednesday when i get into mike's thing monday wednesday friday and sunday are my days monday and friday are the same day wednesday and sunday are the same day so i have four days between each one you know hungry you get for that like knowing it's it's off you're you don't like i like tomorrow i have leg chest legs and and tries it's like you just have tomorrow and then you don't see it again until friday right and like yeah you're gonna get a back and uh ham session in there between those but like knowing that this big push session are so spread out and then the same thing with the other things between wednesday and sunday you've got so much time to recover so much time to mentally prepare again so much time to build up the angst anticipation and excitement as opposed to being like oh i gotta go back in there tomorrow and that's high volume, this and that, like, oh, and I got to, you know, make my rice cakes and like oh, all the Tupperware and like, oh, yeah, that's exhausting. Yes, that's exhausting. And it's not ideal, you know, like, yes, Ronnie Coleman did it as a Houston police officer. And there's a lot of admiration in the way that he did it because of what he did on stage too. And the amount of years that he did, um, what he did on stage. But gosh, that's that costs a lot. It costs a lot of time. It costs a lot of 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 you. And so this way to me, I see, I just see as healthier. You know, I see it healthier in the sense that you're respecting yourself more, your body, your time. You're appreciating yourself more, your body, your time. And it's more of like, okay, let me get in there, do what I gotta do, hone the craft 
but be very mindful about it as opposed to, you know, I used to be mindless a lot of times when I would lift because I get lost in it. Like you said, you get just lost in those sessions where you're in there for, you know, 90 minutes, two hours. I'm like, dude, like, no, every second I'm in there now is it's got purpose, intention and proficiency and efficiency, I should say, because I'm just so concentrated. I'm so focused. I'm so present. Right. I'm not in there to to talk around and and hey, what's going on? But like, no, dude, like this is my like active meditation. And so I don't know, you know, if I'd be able to have found that in the same sense that the clarity of mind that I have from eating the way that I am, from all the removal of impurities, that's the real hack that comes with this diet. Like, don't get me wrong, the athletic performance is great and all the physical benefits are awesome. But it's the it's the mental health benefits that come with this that are the ones that are the real gems you know like our bodies self-regulate they were born to self-regulate like everything about you tony is a living miracle it's perfect like your skin is waterproof who thought of that you know the way your eyes see the way you can hear like every little thing about us is fucking amazing but since we were born since we got off the breast we've been basically destroying this perfect machine even though we think we're treating it well and many of us are doing okay but like most of the foods we eat now are not meant for us to be eating 90 percent of today's foods sold in grocery stores did not exist 100 years ago 90 percent of the diseases and ailments and illness today did not exist 100 years ago that's a direct positive correlation so how can we counteract that and get our bodies to return to their sense of autoregulation or you know homeostasis it's through not consumption it's actually through omission so my three pillars for best health are in this order detoxification nutrition and another thumbs up detoxification nutrition and exercise yes exercise is important but god the most important thing is the detoxification what you avoid, what you keep away from your mouth, from your eyes, from your ears, from where you go, the people you hang out with, et cetera, et cetera. The single most, into the nutrition, the single most effective thing we can do as human beings in regard to our health is controlling what we put into our mouths and into our minds. Period, full stop. Exercise is awesome. I'm a big fan of it. But you and I both know plenty of pricks that work out all the time. You and I both know plenty of people that work out all the time, but don't look like they do. Why? Because you got 23 hours of life outside of the gym. You're only in there for one. Let's say that for simple math. You know plenty of people just like I do that work out twice a day, but they sure don't look like it. Why? And then there's this lady that I know down the street who doesn't work out at all, but she looks like Linda Hamilton from Terminator 2. Why? Because of how she lives how she eats, how she takes care of herself, what she doesn't do, where she doesn't go, who she refuses to hang out with, what she prioritizes for herself. Yeah, she might go for a walk here and there, but she's not fucking killing herself on a treadmill or on an elliptical machine or, you know, on a gym and a CrossFit box because she's realized that it's about detoxification first, then nutrition, then exercise. And with that detoxification, at the top of the list is just self-priority, self-care, and then everything else transcends from that. 
you got me all jacked up from that rant. That was great. <laughs> I was me like, too. yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. That's I, everything about it. And I was, just, I just had Danny Vega on and we were, we were talking. And one of the, the points that we talked about is people, people don't, they don't know how good they can feel because they assume in that state of mind that they're in right now, that that's, that's the best that they're ever going to feel. Mm. Well, once you start to, like you're saying, detoxify your life, whether that's food, nutrition, um, getting people or bad habits out of your life, you will be so surprised on how good you feel and you never want to go back the other way. And it's just one of those things you don't know until you get there. Cause you just, you, you're, you're walking around every day, eating like crap, doing whatever, just the average, what we do in the average in America. And you just, you think you feel good, but you don't, cause you don't know what good feels like. And yeah. it, that goes to that Testament of de- detoxify. Yes. Working out is a priority, but all these other things are huge. It's, I want it's to, hard, man. Cause we, we, we don't real quick. We, we don't know yeah. how sick we are. You know, I didn't, you didn't. And then when you get a taste of that, you're like, oh my God. And I thought I knew something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Talking about your hundred day, like lion diet, carnivore only. How, how was that experience? Challenging. You know, um, up until that point is it was, it was right around the three year mark for me with carnivore diet. So just for anybody listening. Uh, the way I define, I guess, the three types of diets that I really subscribe to. The first one, I think of them all as like concentric rings, one within the other. The outermost ring or the most encompassing would be an animal-based diet where the majority of your calories or the denominator in the fraction is going to have animals and animal byproducts. Whereas the numerator or the other part of your calories is going to be whatever you want it to be. Now, I wouldn't say, hey, have junk food and whatever else you want on there. But as long as the majority of your calories are coming from animals and animal byproducts, that would be animal-based. So if it was me, in the numerator, I would have like fruit and honey. You can see, you know, the way Paul Saladino defines it, Dr. Paul Saladino defines it would be very similar to that. And I agree with that for an animal-based diet. Now, some people could say, well, what if I eat a lot of, you know, if I have animals and animal byproducts in my denominator, and it's the majority of my calories, but I also eat rice and grains and green... You can you can do whatever you want. Like it's free countries, free world for the most part. I'm just saying this is the way I define it. And what I would say is the healthiest way to do it, or the most ideal, because why would you want to convolute the perfection of that purity, or rather the purity of that diet, of that nutrition, the sustenance that you're getting from those animals and animal byproducts with greens, grains, and other crap. So I would say in that sense, in the numerator, fruit and honey. That's what I would do. Within that circle is your carnivore diet, and that's going to just remove everything else other than an animal. So animals, animal byproducts only, carnivore diet. So that would include milk, like I was drinking today, any of your dairies, you know, any fish, fowl, poultry, or otherwise. It's pretty great, and that's what I've done for the majority of the last four years. So within that, to your question about the lion diet, what is the lion diet? As defined by Michaela Peterson, it'd be red meat from ruminant animals only. So your cows, bison, sheep, and goat, the polygastrics, red meat, salt, and water. That's it. So people say, well, why is it called lion diet? Like lions don't eat salt. (laughs) Well, number one, they get salt from blood of other animals. So shut up. And number two, 
is that it's a more marketable name as opposed to the red meat, salt, and water diet. So lion diet is a little more easy to say. Um, but it was very challenging to me. Why? Because as much as I thought I knew about nutrition in my body, when you totally remove all the carbohydrates, because look, there are definitely carbs in milk, there's carbs in bacon, there's carbs in eggs, there can be carbs in lots of little foods that are actually animals and animal byproducts, especially your dairies, right? But even in not dairies, again, bacon, eggs, like these little trace amounts can add up and you'd be shocked at how that can make you feel. So my first few days of doing this, I was cruising, I was good. I got to like day, I want to say 14 and caved or it was Valentine's Day, 13, and and broke. And then I was like, okay, let me try that again. I got it, like I like a week into it this time and broke. I was like, damn, okay, this is this is gonna take more than I'm giving it the dignity of. This is gonna require more respect from me, for my adversary. Ooh, wow, okay. I'm I'm like, I gotta, I gotta sink in for this one. And I didn't think I was gonna have to because I was like, hey, I got three years of carnivore. This shouldn't be that bad. Well, that just went to show how much, even though it's raw and beautiful organic milk, how much I'd been consuming, the carbs that I was getting from bacon, the carbs that I was getting from pork rinds, the carbs that I was getting from just trace little things, yogurts or otherwise, that were all natural, that were raw, that were organic, that were totally on the carnivore list. But when you totally remove all of them, it was violent to me. And I really had to white knuckle it for the, for that first few weeks. But then once I got over the hump, it was like, okay, we're cruising now and I'm just eating diesel. And it became just like very utilitarian in the sense that it's, it's food, it's fuel. I love it. It tastes great. But once you break past that few weeks, it's like 20 days, a thousand days, it doesn't matter. And that's, you know, that's how I got, I got, I got into cruise control and just started loving it. And um, I still do that now on my own a lot where I'll just by default eat only red meat for some time, considerable amount of time. Not today, because I've had milk and I've had eggs. But it was tough for me to go through, but looking back on it now, it's been a great reference for me to be able to say, man, I could do that anytime and it feels pretty fucking good. A, a testament is uh, you showed your blood work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did your little post on blood work, and I was, I was, because I was following you at the time, and I was just like, "Holy crap!" Like, if you tell people I ate only red meat, salt, and water for X amount of days, they're gonna be like, "Oh my god, this guy's gonna die." Mm -hmm. But your blood work, you know, you had a, a, what eight hundred testosterone, you had your cholesterol mm -hmm. was good, HDL, LDL, it was fine. So you have actual data to show people, which is great. That's saying, hey, like I did this and look, I'm completely healthy. I have great numbers. Yep. Yep. Um, good. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I, I literally went there on day 100. So I finished and went there, properly fasted. And um, when the results came back, I was like, yeah, there it is, black and white. Now, people online have been like, well, what were your numbers before to compare? And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't matter what they were before. Like, they're going to be better. They're not going to be better than that. Like, or if they're better than that, like, fine. It Because I'm com you'd be comparing apples to apples. Meaning, like, they didn't get worse, dumbass. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, those are incredible lipid panels. That's an incredible lipid panel. So if it was better than that before, 
it would be marginal. It would be very difficult to be to be significantly better than that, as opposed to like, you know, if it was way worse, well then, you know, moot point. Anyway, I just saw it as a moot point, meaning like just look at what the, the data says, right? Like the the super the triglycerides under 40, the total cholesterol pushing 300 or whatever, the eight, the LDL HDL double ratio, the 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 overall cholesterol ratio, the C-reactive protein below one percent. Right. So there's zero inflammatory markers going on. The hemoglobin A1C, I don't remember the numbers of them, but my, my, my 5.2. 5.2. You know, I think, I think uh, it's either six or 5.6 is the, is the, what you want to be less, less than. Um, what's the one I really wanted to say? Not C reactive protein, but um, obviously you mentioned the testosterone, but yeah. um, it'll, B12, it'll your B12 is 729. B12 was one of them, but it was, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. It'll come back to me, but either way the, the, oh, my fasted glucose, I think was in the, was below 80, you know? So I remember the nurse laughing at me. She was like, geez, that's pretty low. And I was like, yeah, you know, like laughing about it, but it's right there, you know? And it is not about exercise. Again, was I training? Yes. Was I training crazily hard? No. Because I wanted to keep a consistent control group for the experiment. You know, I, I think of myself as a scientist more than anything. And I'm not here trying to prove law or say that my things are dogmatic, but rather, and as a traditional and true scientist, the job is to constantly test your hypotheses to try and disprove them. That's the job of a scientist in efforts to disprove them. So I keep going back to this diet, to this way of eating, living, because I can't, I have yet to be able to disprove it, Tony, whether it's the marathon, whether it's the triathlon, whether it's the lion diet diet or data, whether it's the how I feel, whether it's the remittance of um, depression, anxiety, no more needs for, for booze or women. Or, like, I can't disprove it. I can tell you though, when I sidestep, and that's usually by way of, you know, let's say, Pizza or a cook or cookies, cereal, donuts, you know, something sweet, something palatable, something processed, something refined. Like, man, I don't want to get out of bed. Just the next day, like no drugs. You know, thank God I've been sober and clean for a while now. But like, we're not even talking about hard drugs. But these things affect me now the same way hard drugs used to, in the sense that if I ate like a big stack of cookies right now and like you know tomorrow morning i'm like oh man i don't feel good i want to stay asleep i want to i don't want to come out of my slumber because i don't want to face the light whoa i used to feel that way from like waking up from a blow bender and now i feel that way from cookies like oh it just must be the sugar hey dumbass it's that's poison doing that to you you don't feel that way when you eat the way you do normally do you well well no well then hey fucking idiot. Like that's poison. You're not allergic to certain things. You're allergic to poison. Hey, when you eat these cereals and this other stuff, it's not that you're allergic to grains. You're allergic to poison. That's poison, Jake. So I literally look at these things now the same way I would, I would look at heroin, the same way I would look at cocaine. Is that maybe a bit extreme? I don't know, but like, I know how the things affect me and I wouldn't be able to understand that if I didn't go through it. So still, like I say, I'm testing that hypothesis constantly still. Will I have some of that still in the future at some point? Probably. 
Because again, I'm, it's like, I don't want to believe it, man. I don't, it's, I still don't want to believe that, that don't tell me like, this is not good for me. And that this donut or this pizza, like, no, I want to have that with my, my godchild and sit around the campfire and eat s'mores. Okay, fine. You don't wake up feeling like shit though. (laughs) That's the reality of it. And that's why I love keeping myself in the lab as I call it. But at the same time, that's the struggle. And that's the hardest part about all of this and what I preach to my clients, to my followers, to anyone is that the most difficult part of the journey is actually not the work itself. It's just believing the results that you feel because the feeling is the understanding. You can hear what you want, see what you want to believe, but once you feel it, you can't turn it off. You can't recover that wizard. You've seen it. You felt it. And then you start to argue with your feelings and your heart. And one of the most difficult things we deal with as human beings is trying to convince our minds of something that our hearts knows to be a lie. That's a great, that's great. The feeling is the understanding. Yeah. Once you, once you get to that point and like you're saying, you want to enjoy these indulgences of life, right? You want to be able to have ice cream with your goddaughter or whatever it may be or yep. s'mores, Yeah. but just, you know, like, hey, that this is gonna. My body's not gonna like this. And you make everybody makes. You got to make your decisions. You got to live life. But just going to that place of I, myself, if I have an indulgence, I, I think my body's the best. It's when it reacts bad that just puts me back on track. To be honest, so mm. I'm actually grateful that it makes me feel like crap. Mm. I'll go have ice cream or whatever. Some friends like, hey, I haven't had this in a while. You have it once. And like you said, you're like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to get out of bed. I feel like shit. Oh my God. And then I'm like, I'm not ice doing cream. that again. Yeah. Yeah. From ice cream, one, two scoops, three scoops, whatever. Like not even that much, yeah. but I feel like so much. I feel like anxiety is coming into me. I don't feel good. Like I'm sluggish, like you were saying. And now my, uh, that's a good indicator. Okay. Then I might go seven, eight months before I do something like that again. And then again, yeah. I'm like, oh shoot. Yep. I did that again. I'm not doing that for a while. So the body's <laughs> the body's the the most intuitive. Uh, and I want to talk to you about just to kind of close out is life like Jake. Like, tell us about your brand. I see you got the life like Jake shirt on. <laughs> so your brand and, and and you're working with people, putting content out there. Uh, yeah, give us a little bit more. Um, just kind of background about it. Sure. I uh, first off, the the name is is it rhymes. You know, like people are like, how'd you know that name? I was like, it's three common words in the public domain. They're easily SEOable and they can go along well in a search. And my name's Jake and it kind of rhymes. So there you go. And they're like, well, that's not really original. I was like, well, that's it. <laughs> but but really it's it's life like you. Right. So like I say life like Jake because here's what I did to help myself. And you can do the same thing. So whether that's, you know prioritizing detox, making sure your nutrition's well, exercising, giving yourself, you know, this physical and spiritual nutrition all the time, reading, writing, exercising, meditating, stretching, having good thoughts, doing good deeds, you know, trying to, I don't want to call it a live amongst life, but like, you know, be stoic, be a person for others, be selfless, have good virtues, have good character, have good moral compass, heed good things, have good family values, stuff that I feel to be integral parts of the inherent goodness of humanity. 
integral parts of the human the inherent goodness of humanity because i believe in that and i think that's something that's been lost in time for many of us and i know it was for me you know i was not a good place for a long time and was trying to escape constantly with consuming whatever i could and powder and drink and people and places and anything because i didn't want to be who i was where i was in life and so i was trying to alter that reality as often as i could but life like jake is me saying this is what i went through this is what i've done to come out of it if you can relate to that in any way here's a toolkit to do it it might not be perfect you might not like it but it fucking works i promise and so that's what i try to offer to people and i do that through the coaching that i offer you know and it's it's intense i tell people that it'll be the hardest thing they've ever gone through in their lives and people kind of laugh and that's not a real scalable phrase you want to say to potential customers right like hey this will be the hardest thing you've ever gone through well there goes 90% of the group right there okay i'm not here for super scale i never was when i first started doing this in new york i used to have people come through a 30 day kind of tryout man i'd love to work out with you sometime i'd love dude i'd love to train with you no you wouldn't you don't want to do it what i've been doing you don't want to do what i do you you think you do but really you just kind of want to touch the lightning for a second and let it go no no man okay fine meet me at the gym tomorrow at 3:45 what i can't do that see you later right then i can't gone dead to me all right fine meet me meet me at whatever whatever no i don't want to do that now we're getting somewhere that's what i wanted you to say cuz that's what the truth is i don't want to do it i know god do i know it and so anyone that comes to me now when people reach out to me and i respond directly to everybody that reaches out to me usually through video um i always tell them i have two two standing orders with everyone number 1 don't ever tell me you can't do something just say you won't do it okay i respect you tell me you don't want to do it i'll i'll respect you more because that's honest that's that's the first step that's the first step is accountability and personal ownership because without it like the whole thing is flawed i'm not here to try to help you with your your exterior i'm trying to help you reach inside yourself and squeeze your fucking backbone and know that you've got more in you than you ever imagined and we all do just not all of us have ever had our backbone squeezed and then the second thing is i can't help people until they commit but i tell them that once they do i promise i'll never let you fail so how do you not scare someone off but at the same time tell them that you're going to be there to catch them if they fall is delicate so again i'm not here to try to say hey everyone and anyone come on with it i could say that but i'm looking for the few not the proud <laughs> but i'm looking for the few because that's what they are they're 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 lowly warriors out there on these paths of solitude because the masses are just not geared for it i believe they have it in them but too often too many refuse to want it it's easy to want to change it's easy to want to win to be victorious to improve to all these things but many people don't have the the want to do what it takes to do it and so i'm finding these ones and twos here and there and building this um 
you know, army of significance, I guess you could call it, where the quality of experience for the recipient is forever. You know, they're not here for a 30 day pump and pleasure program. We're like, yeah, that was good. And I'm going to just go show it off to my friends and fuck it off, you know, five days later. The people that come to me change forever. And I think that's a real staple to the method. So it says life like Jake on the shirt, but yeah, it's really life like you. That's great. And I think you're, because you've lived, you live it, right? You live it, you've done it, you've climbed yourself out of things and you've experimented and you've done all the hard work and you're willing to give everything for a person. Like you're really willing to be there for them, but you need them to show up too. So it's it's a two-way street right there and they have to, you're going to be there. They better show up. I love I love the whole concept. Uh, where where can people find you if they do want to work with you, Jake? Easiest place is Instagram at Life Like Jake. Uh, the website's also Life Like Jake. You can apply for coaching there. Uh, YouTube, TikTok, everything else. All the handles are all Life Like Jake. But I'm most active on Instagram for sure. Great. Uh, we'll be putting that in the show notes. And Jake, thank you for taking the time and and being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Tony. Thanks. Keep racing, man. Keep training. I'm I'm retired. <laughs> I'm retired, Jake. I'm retired. Well, then I might have to be calling on you for some pointers and tips and coaching of my own then. Um, oh, for sure. For I sure. Plenty of daunting things up ahead. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But thank you to everybody for tuning in to the Primal Foundations podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you all for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. See you all next time on the Primal Foundations podcast.